It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to Comedy, the podcast that helps you find new, emerging, and undiscovered independent comedy podcasts. I'm Greg, the host and curator of Comedy. Today's episode is from Next Door Villain. Next Door Villain relates and empathizes with fictional villains in pop culture like Harley Quinn, Hades, Ghostface, The Phantom of the Opera, and way more with a bit of humor, literary art, and discussion. If you like today's episode, make sure to check out the episode description for links to subscribe. All right, let's get this show started. Begin. <laughs> run, run, run as fast as you can. You can't catch me. I'm the gingerbread man. You're a monster. I'm not the monster here. You are. You and the rest of that fairy tale trash poisoning my perfect world. Now tell me, where are the others? Eat me! Hi, I'm Joe. And I'm Tiana. And this is Next Door Villain. A podcast where we uncover the villains to discover their humanity. Somebody once told me that the world was going to roll me. I, I ain't the sharpest tool in the shed. She was looking kind of dumb with a finger and her thumb in the shape of an L like on her forehead. And well, the years, the years start coming. And they don't stop coming? And they don't stop coming. <laughs> it's crazy how that happens. And <sighs> fed to the rules. And, you know, I hit the ground running. Didn't make sense not to live for fun. Your brain gets smart, but your head gets... Some, so much to do, so much to see. 
You'll never know if you don't go. You'll never shine if you don't glow. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Tiana, you're an all-star. Oh, thank you. Get your game on. <laughs> go, play. Okay, thank you. Only shooting stars break the mold. That's, yep, they say that. Someone says that. <laughs> thank you for listening to me. Yeah. And for encouraging me. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it. Yes, happy to be on your team. I know, I know it's uh, it's hard out there. It's hard out there with my finger and my thumb. <laughs> the shape of an L on my forehead. Yes. Mm-hmm. Welcome, everyone, to Next Door Villain Podcast. Uh, I'm Joe, here with uh, apparently loser Tiana. <laughs> and we are here today to talk about Lord Farquaad from the film shrek very mm-hmm. famous film from my childhood yeah <laughs> and also from yours tiana i assume because we're the same age basically <laughs> yes if my voice sounds a little bit weird today it's only because i'm recovering from covid i'm sorry yeah i, I just want to say for everyone out there if uh, you know, i'm young and i am healthy and i'm fully vaccinated and boosted and I assumed that if I got COVID, it would just be like a light cold and it would be totally fine, but it was still pretty rough. So just take appropriate precautions wherever you're at. I think wearing a mask for me is definitely worth it. I don't, I don't know exactly where I caught it, but um, in hindsight, I really wish I had not caught it because it's been really, really rough and I'm only just now starting to get over it after about a week. Damn, I'm sorry. Anyways, uh, so we're also actually kind of going to try out a little bit of a different format this episode than we usually do. Uh, Feel free to let us know if you like it or not. We're going to start with sort of a little biography about the villain that we're talking about, and then we're going to kind of pull out a couple themes, talk about a personal question, and at the end, after we do our, our literary piece, obviously, we are going to rate the villain on a scale that we will figure out hopefully by the time we get to it so stay tuned for that. that it could be fun it could be dumb we don't know we'll see yeah i'm really excited to learn more about lord farquad the lord my yes. lord and savior yes what, what? <laughs> i don't know not not a very good christ figure i don't <laughs> so um we're talking about Lord Farquaad, his full name, Lord Maximus Farquaad. Uh, Lord is not his first name. That's a, that's a title. It's um, <laughs> Maximus really? Farquaad. Yes. <laughs> and this is a character we don't know a ton about his backstory, but Tiana, I want to see, do you know who his parents are? I bet there's some lords who birthed a lord. <laughs> um, no, I don't. I don't actually know. All right, so this is actually really interesting, and this comes from Shrek the Musical. He's got a musical number where we learn who his parents are. So his mother is the princess from The Princess and the Pea. Okay. Do you remember that story? Yeah, yeah. Like, there's a bunch of mattresses that she was sleeping on, and they put a pea under all those mattresses, and she could still feel it kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> She was like, Allie. That's exactly the story. And <laughs> okay, it, cool. 
I remember that story as well. And I was like, why was the pee under the mattress? This doesn't make any sense at all. So I went back and I looked at the story and it didn't make any more sense. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So that's what happens with fairy tales. They're just kind of there. Yeah. Especially those old, like this is an old Hans Christian Andersen fairy tale. Uh, yeah. Uh, and a lot of those stories are weird, but I, I want to rehash it just briefly. So there's this prince and he wants to marry a princess, but he meets all these women and they don't all have very good manners and they aren't real princesses, apparently. I don't know what a fake princess is. Right. But he's so worried about marrying an unreal, a, a princess who's not a real princess. Yeah, that's stressful. <laughs> yes. That's like their version of catfish. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, that's that's all these women are coming up and they're like, I want to marry you. I'm and a real princess, I promise. And then they're like, okay, we're going to finally meet together and see if she really is a princess. And there's like a like a cameraman and then they they meet at a park. <laughs> oh, my God, you're not a princess. And it's drama and she has a kid. And yeah, yeah. She doesn't know how to use the right fork for a salad. Yeah. Yeah, it's stressful. Just not <laughs> so one day this this woman stumbles in off the street and she's soaking wet because it's raining outside. Okay. Um, she's, she's not just randomly wet. And she claims to be a princess, but they're skeptical because of all these other women who weren't actually princesses. But his mom has this brilliant idea. She's like, okay, we'll take this woman in and we'll put a pea under her mattress. And then we'll stack 19 more mattresses on top of it. But we won't tell her. Uh, so Perfect plan. Just makes so much sense. Yeah, ton of sense. And to me, I'm like, did, did this princess not like wonder why there are 20 mattresses on this bed? <laughs> right. Also, logistically, mattresses are heavy. And I especially probably in medieval times, they were probably stuffed with like hay. They weren't made with like fancy like lightweight foam like they are today so logistically like how did she get all these 20 mattresses stacked up onto this bed and then yeah. she would have had to have a ladder to get up on top of it presumably anyways aside the point she wakes up in the morning the princess and she's like oh my gosh what was in that mattress it was so uncomfortable and she had and and then she had, she had a bruise on her back to prove it and oh, no. <laughs> the pee punched her yeah and and then they were like oh she must be a real princess because only a real princess would be sensitive enough to feel the pee i wish i could give more context to that story but that is right literally the story so that's how you know if you're a princess or not so makes sense we just <laughs> maybe need to put a pee under our mattresses you know, we'll come together tomorrow and be like, hey, do you feel the pee? The Yeah. Pee? Try this with your partner. Yeah. To find out if they're worthy. So that's Farquaad's mom. Very sensitive. Aw. Now, do you know who Farquaad's dad is? The pee. Nope. Okay. Also, not the prince from that story. So either this must be like a, yeah, this They had be, a divorce? Ooh, unclear it's unclear the timeline of things but farquad's mom the princess well she dies so one night she kind of falls off the mattresses and dies that sucks yeah so 
It was a good idea to start with, but ultimately she died because of it. Rest in peace. Farquaad's dad, however, not the prince, but he's an unhappy minor. Um, he's very short. He's someone you might know, Tiana. He's a miner who is short. He's a very short miner. He mines for gold. And he's very short. And he's unhappy. Is he a dwarf from Snow White Seven Dwarfs? Yes. <gasps> That's awesome! Oh, I had no idea and I just guessed that. I deserve a cookie. So his dad is grumpy. Oh! Oh my gosh. And Lord... His dad is grumpy, and he would follow around Snow White and, like, be Snow White's little man. There's just a lot of connections going on. It's also weird, then, that age-wise, that Farquaad might be interested in Snow White. Yes, yes, that's what I was kind of thinking about. Yeah. I guess I guess we could say this, maybe, maybe this all happened way before the Snow White story. Maybe. When Grumpy was much younger, this was maybe before the Princess and the Pea incident. He was a young lad. Yeah, so Farquaad's mom, before she dies, she basically leaves Grumpy with baby Farquaad. Baby Maximus, I guess, would be his name. Max. It, that's cuter. Max. So she leaves Max with Grumpy, and Grumpy, I guess, leaves, abandons him in the forest one day. Because he's so grumpy. He's just like, fuck children. Maybe he just... He was just like, I don't want a child anymore. <laughs> he was heartbroken, maybe, because the mom left. He couldn't make a living on his own. Uh, you know, he's living with seven other dudes. Yeah, that's a lot of dudes. So not an ideal childhood for mm -hmm. little Max Farquaad. Also- So that implies that Grumpy's last name is Farquaad? That's exactly what I was just going <laughs> to yeah. say. It's like, Grumpy Farquaad. Aww. I also heard the other dwarves referenced as his uncles, which means that it's also what Happy Farquad, Dopey Farquad, Doc Farquad. <laughs> <laughs> if you were a, a seven dwarf, which one would you be? What I don't even remember the other dwarves. I'd probably be Doc, to be honest. Yeah, I'd probably like. There's one. Maybe it's Bashful. I don't know. Oh yeah, yeah. You could be Bashful or be. Mm, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Bashful. I'm bashful for God. So that's really all the detail we have about his childhood. And then whatever, a bunch of stuff must happen. He grows up and he somehow becomes a lord. And do you know what a lord is? Maybe it's like just a guy who oversees a town or like a, a mini society or like kind of oversees like an area of land, maybe. Yeah, that's actually almost almost word for word, <laughs> the correct definition. So the term lord, it's often used as kind of an, an umbrella term for people in the ruling class that were not specifically royalty. Um, I got all this info from medievalchronicles.com. Um, I did not verify if they were a <laughs> reliable source, trust but it. sounded reliable yeah. to me. A lord, more specifically, is, is someone that the king has just basically kind of like given land to and like given an area to oversee. And then the Lord like leases that land out to like different landowners and people below them. So he's not technically royalty. And that is why in Shrek, we learn that he needs to marry a princess to become a king because he doesn't have actually have any royal blood himself. But his mother was a princess, right? So it seems like he should have been royalty. Hmm. 
That's a great point. Maybe he didn't know his mom was a princess. Or maybe no one believed him or... Yeah. Or he didn't have the papers. Oh, or maybe, maybe because his dad was a dwarf. She married a commoner. Yeah. I don't know, though. You know, if I were Lord Farquaad, I would be like, you know what? I was really meant to be a king because my mom was a princess, but she died because of a pee. He may not have known his mom, to be honest. That's sad. Yeah. Anyways, so he becomes the ruler of this town, Duloc. He becomes obsessed with making everything perfect. Everyone there dresses the same. Everyone acts the same. Everyone looks the same. He decides to exile all of the fairy tale creatures, and then he boasts that Duloc is the most perfect kingdom of them all. And the magic mirror is like, uh, wait a minute, you can't call Duloc a kingdom because you're not a king and you have to marry a princess. So that's how the events of Shrek kick off, where he has to find someone to go save Fiona and bring her back. And then Shrek does that. And that's sort of where we are today in the Shrek movie. If you haven't seen it. <laughs> you should you know, see it. <laughs> yeah, it, it holds up. Yeah. Came out in what, 2001? Maybe, yeah. The other day I was watching it in a coffee shop. Because our power went out because of a storm. So we went to a coffee shop and I think people just witnessed me like snickering at Shrek <laughs> on my computer. Like, <laughs> somebody once told me Lord Farquaad is a king. So that's his backstory. Okay. I like that. I like that. I learned a lot. I didn't realize that was his mom. I didn't realize that was his dad. I like that. Yeah. And I think that history will sort of inform or help add some color to maybe some of the more interesting aspects of him that we'll empathize with. But do you want to start with sort of your your way into empathizing with him? Yeah, yeah. I want to talk about the theme, the theme of order and the idea that Lord Farquaad is just obsessed with it. Lord Farquaad is so orderly and inflexible and clean. And you mentioned this, right? He's kind of obsessed with the way things should be. His land of Duloc is really clean, which I actually kind of appreciate. Like, I appreciate the cleanliness of Duloc when I watched the movie. Especially when you consider that, like, medieval times were pretty gross. Yeah. Like, people, like, were, like, throwing their poop out windows onto the street. <laughs> like, horses were pooping everywhere. There was, like, way more poop than I think I would be comfortable with. <laughs> they had a lot of orgies. I don't know why, but every, like, medieval movie is, like... Let's have an orgy. That's worse when you know they, that how clean could they have been? Right, not not very clean. That's just how it was. Just like I'm, t I'm talking like physical dirt, not like right, right, yeah. Not that they were like gross people. <laughs> they could have been. I don't know. Well, yeah, they could have. They I, I watched a little too much Game of Thrones, probably. But <laughs> um, I also like in Duloc. There's like these robotic people in the info booth that are like, "Don't make waves. Stay in line, and we'll get along fine." And he's a planner. I appreciate how Lord Farquaad like planned his and Fiona's wedding and royal outfits. You see that like perfectly laid out in his bedroom. And I think a lot of women would kind of dig that, like how intense he is on planning and making sure that the wedding day goes really smoothly and making sure that you have everything laid out, the clothes, the, the jewelry. So he tries really hard to make things very orderly and nice. He hates fairy tale entities. And I think a big reason why is because they are so chaotic and kind of like unproductive. I mean, I'm going to sound like a capitalist here, but like <laughs> um, 
First of all, I think Lord Farquaad is grasping orders so heavily to cope with the fact that he like exists in a world of extreme chaos when chaotic fairy tale entities exist. I think he recognizes how chaotic they are and how they don't necessarily help society. Like they run around and they fly and they frantically, I don't know, they're just very frantic and they're obsessed with their fairy tales, with the stories and how they go. So they're not very productive because they're obsessed with their fairy tale stories. So like Pinocchio keeps saying that he's a real boy and that's it and nothing else of substance, you know? And then Snow White is just dead because that's how the story goes. And like, why is she dead? She could be doing much more than being dead. <laughs> you do sound like like very, very capitalist. I am. But like, I'm just trying to like see things from his perspective, right? I'm not, I'm normally not this way. But Robin Hood is just like dancing around in the forest, harassing women. Like, what the fuck is he doing? So obnoxious, Robin Hood. Yeah. Like, they could be doing something else. Like, that seems a little more fulfilling, a little more productive, I don't know. Like, yeah. if if you want to put it in like a little bit of a better light, rather than productive, maybe it's is sort of like a lack of equity. Whereas, like the regular people, all sort of have the same range of like abilities and limitations. And then these fairy tale creatures, they can fly, or they can do magic, or they have all these like special things that allow them to do different things and to be different things. Um, and they just don't fit inside the parameters and so like they sort of exist outside of the ability to make rules and and to create order like you said they're sort of chaotic because they need their own special exceptions to be made for them because of the things they can do and that just makes it so difficult to have any sort of sense of control or order or perfection as um, he's trying to go for it's just easier not to have them there right and he's trying to correct it through authoritarian means, which is not a good idea. <laughs> Lord Farquaad recognizes how extreme they are, but then he also doesn't recognize how extreme he's being on the other side. Um, like he's kind of taking it in the other direction where he needs, he's obsessed with order. And I'm more of the belief where like, I think both of these things can balance out and you can see the benefit of chaos and order working together, but he doesn't see that, right? So I think there's just like a few lessons that I took from Lord Farquaad, which is just if you're like worried about someone else's extreme, you might be the other extreme. Mm -hmm. Or you might need to recognize that your extreme and that other person's extreme could work together. Like I think fairy tale entities could work with the land of Duloc if Lord Farquaad was willing to do that. It's great to have whimsical things happen in life. You have to have that. If if not, things are very boring. But then if you have too much of that, then nothing gets done and society falls. Another lesson is just that chaos can be difficult to live with, which might make someone go the other extreme route in being very orderly and rigid in order to survive the chaos. Well, you can imagine, based on his backstory, that he may have had a very chaotic upbringing where one of his parents was dead and the other one abandoned him. So we we don't know what happened in his early life, but you can imagine that it must have been a struggle for him. He must have been sort of bouncing around a lot, having to work really hard and probably being in these difficult, crazy situations. And I suspect maybe that one of the ways he was able to get through it was by creating 
control over things, learning to control his surroundings so that they didn't control him. Uh, and that's ultimately what probably led him to become a lord, which is pretty high status for someone who probably started from basically nothing. So this this control has brought him all the good things that he probably has in his life so far. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's pretty successful. Um, yeah. And I guess I didn't really realize that at first. Like, I think I looked at him and assumed that, oh, mommy and daddy did this for him or gave him land. And that's how he became a lord. But that backstory really helps to point out that actually... Actually, he's got some bootstraps pulling. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, just simply because we haven't mentioned it, and I I don't want people to get mad at me for condoning a torturous, murderous person. Oh, torturous. All he did was pull some buttons. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Remove some buttons. He chopped the legs off of a gingerbread man. And, like, and you might say, oh, it's just a gingerbread man. But like- if we are to believe this universe, mm-hmm. that these things, these creatures are all living, conscious, sentient beings, then we must think about a gingerbread person the same as a human as far as like pain and whatnot, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this was a terrible scene for a children's movie in that regard, that he was literally like physically torturing, chopping the legs off of another creature for his own personal gains. This is where like, I can understand his feeling of wanting to create order and control, but he's taken it way, way too far. It's gotten way out of control and it's not good. I just like how you make that scene so serious. And I appreciate you doing that. But that entire time of, do you know the Muffin Man? Oh, yeah, the one that lives on Drury Lane. Like, that is my favorite part of the whole movie. Cracks me up. That scene was so funny to me when I was younger. And when I rewatched it last week as an adult, and it might have been like, I was also sort of in my like COVID fever delirium when I was watching this film. So maybe that affected it. But I was like a little bit horrified that 
this was considered like a funny fun scene when it really like was so clearly painful torture not good it's like the equivalent of waterboarding yeah maybe worse than waterboarding see ripped off a button Ah! that's like someone ripping off your nipple probably (laughs) imagine you're you're right about that okay yeah it's not so funny anymore another thing i like about farquad is um i know people make fun of his appearance and you'll get into the height thing soon but like if you look closely he has a pretty good jawline yeah he's mostly jawline he's mostly (laughs) i like it i like it i mean i was trying to like find like is he attractive you know like is he attractive but we just don't know it because we're clouded by other people's opinions on lord farquad and i was like i like the jawline it seems like you might be attracted to him and you're trying to justify it oh you are okay i like the five o'clock shadow thing going on on his face but his nipples are too high his <laughs> nipples are like by his by his armpits basically like whoop. yeah so should we should we talk about his physical appearance because i think it's uh important to this character oh yeah and honestly why have we not mentioned have we mentioned yet even that he's incredibly short not yet i was yeah. waiting for you to like yeah that should have been like probably in the very beginning of the episode so so lord farquaad is very short i don't know how short but like shorter than most people and it makes a lot of sense now that we know that his father was a dwarf so he's like i guess half dwarf half human um so he's very short he has a very large head his head i think is almost probably the size of the rest of his body it, it seems like yeah i don't want to like make fun of his appearance too much especially in this world where there are so many different sorts of people and creatures that all live together and so in, in a sense we should be sort of celebrating all the differences in, in the way that people look or i just find it funny that like Shrek is like farting in a pond and killing a, a frog. <laughs> and they're like, oh, Lord Farquaad's short. <laughs> it doesn't make total sense. Like everyone looks fucking off the rails. I don't know. They just. Yeah, ev- everyone is bonkers looking. If I want to knock Lord Farquaad on his looks at all, it's I hate his haircut. Um, yeah. I, I don't think it's doing him any good. <laughs> Oh, that um, reminds me, I did ask a few people what they thought of Lord Farquaad when I sent them an image of him shirtless. One of my internet friends um, said, I'm pretty sure that's my hair. (laughs) (laughs) So some people have that hairstyle, Joe. Yeah, a lot of young women. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, she's a woman. So she's like, I think that's my hair. Yeah, women have that haircut. Yeah. But and men do too, and that's okay. It's just not my preference. Not my <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on his head, I don't. I don't think it's a good match. Anyways, I bring up his height because I think it is an important part of his character and how he acts. Shrek sort of has the observation when he reaches the kingdom, but before he knows how big Farquaad is, of the like giant, really, really tall castle in the middle. Um, and, and Shrek says, well, what do you think he's compensating for? Yeah. I think there's probably a little bit of that going on where he's feeling like he needs to compensate for his height with his like power and with his control. I suspect, knowing who his father is, a fairy tale creature, that that also might be sort of where his resentment towards fairy tale creatures come as well. Like, 
I, I think you're right about the chaos thing, but I think it also might be some like resentment where his body to him is almost like a physical reminder of his, you know, of, of his father who is a fairy tale creature um, and who left him and abandoned him and left him with nothing. And he had to probably scrape and crawl out of um, a life in the forest alone to get to where he is today. And so now his, his size is sort of a physical representation that he has to live with and acknowledge every single day. And other people are looking at him and probably laughing at him and making comments. Um, Tiana, are you actually crying? I can't tell. I'm trying. Well, I just... (laughs) I thought you were legitimately like breaking down into tears just now. And I I had to stop talking because I was worried. Oh, no. I... No, I was just kind of poking fun a little bit. Well, I appreciate how we get on this podcast and we take this like cartoon character and we're like ripping the hearts out of people listening like he had a tough life awful backstory tragedy and i just love how we can like take something that's so childlike and Mm -hmm. make it devastating and it warms my heart but also (laughs) is kind of funny um so yeah keep going about the the oppression of lord (laughs) Farquaad. Yeah, no, I just I just think he he probably harbors a lot of resentment for his physical appearance and the fact yeah. that it sort of represents his father who abandoned him and that probably reflects in the way that he approaches his leadership and his hatred for other fairy tale creatures. You stabbed me. Oh, God, man. Ouch. Ouch. That that's my whole point. Ouch. Um, <laughs> How are you feeling? Are you feeling okay? Yeah, I'm I'm feeling fine. Okay. I just want to make sure because you're dealing with COVID. So if if you need to take a breather, just let me know and I'll uh, okay. <laughs> say stuff instead. All right. Great. So let's make this conversation a little more personal now. Okay. So we've talked about his physical appearance and how that probably affected who he is. So You feeling okay now? Yeah. Okay. Want to make sure you're okay. Okay, what's your question? Yeah, so we've been talking a lot about his physical appearance and how that has affected who he is and his actions. So I'm wondering, Tiana, if there's a physical attribute about yourself that you're insecure about, and how has that affected the way that you've acted in your life? I'm perfect. Never been insecure about anything in my life. Oh wow! I'm <laughs> just kidding. Um, <laughs> Gosh, um, so I am a sheet of paper. I'm a sheet of paper, meaning I put on a swimming suit and I will blind you mm. with how pale and chalky white I am. And I went to Sephora the other day and I asked her to do like a foundation test on me. And she was like, this is really hard because it's hard to find a color that's completely white when you don't have like any... <laughs> under pigment like i don't have like a pink i don't have any other pigment happening in my skin if i'm gonna like wear a swimming suit or something people are like wow you're white and i'm like really 
Like, no shit. <laughs> like you, didn't, but, you didn't know already. <laughs> right? You're so white. Oh, my gosh. And it used to be more of a bigger deal when I was in high school because I think it was more in at that time, like kind of in the 2010s, late 2000s to like tan, go to tanning and Yeah, pre-Kardashian. Yes. When I go out in the sun, I get red and then I get white again. Um, Like I can't really tan very well. How has that affected how I've acted? I think back then, hotness was kind of equal to tanning. Because you're picturing like a bikini body with like a tanned body. But you can't really be quote unquote hot if you're like pale, like pasty white. Maybe a little bit with men too, right? And I'm talking more from like a late 2000s, early 2010s perspective. Now it's different. And I even had like this boy that I was seeing in high school say, you're, pr- you're so pretty, but you're not hot. You're not hot. You're pretty, but you're not hot. And so I think my entire life, and of course, I'm not going to sit here and be like, I'm pretty. <laughs> like, I mean, it's, it's not the worst thing. To yeah. be pretty. Hey, have, you, have you ever heard of <laughs> white hot? No. Well, just just like, you know, when something's really hot, it's like white hot. No, I didn't know that. Oh. Do things turn white if they're hot? Um, and now that I'm thinking about it, like, <laughs> I don't know actually what the logic is right. or like where it comes from, but that is a phrase. It's, it is. It's not usually meant, it's, it's not meant to talk about skin uh, yeah. color. It's about physical heat, but- I thought maybe it would offer you some comfort as a metaphor. Right. I mean, I'm not insecure about a lot of things. So I I am may more secure in my pasty whiteness now than I ever have been. Like this really doesn't bother me that much, but I think it's just kind of changed my psyche a little bit where like I look in the mirror and I'm like, "Okay, I look pretty." Okay, I'm pretty. Okay, I'm pretty. I don't I will never like be like, "I'm hot." Cuz that's just not in the psyche. You know, I don't know. Yeah. And again, like, I'm only pretty. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, that's not that's not a bad thing. I am still very privileged to be considered pretty by some people. And I've really worked through a lot of my insecurities. I'm really not nearly as insecure as I was even like in college. I think I've grown a lot. And so this question was actually pretty hard for me because, yes, I've been insecure about things, but they don't seem that big anymore. I can talk about how like, oh, like I don't sometimes like how big my arms kind of look or like how flabby they might look sometimes. And that was a big deal to me at like 16. But now I just kind of look around and I'm like, I don't care. Another thing that I would get insecure about, though, was that I would try to shave my pubic hair when I was like trying to wear a swimming suit, but then it gets like chafed and like, (laughs) and I would be so scared that someone would notice. Yeah. I don't know. Relationship with like body hair is like an interesting thing. If you're like wearing a swimming suit and like maybe you shaved, but it doesn't look very good, but then you missed a spot and like someone's going to know and like, and I don't know, I I, like grow body hair quite pretty quickly. So which I'm sure you can relate to. <laughs> uh, I think I probably will here in a minute or two. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. How about, I do want to know about you, though. What's your answer? I would say body hair. Um, I am a little bit hairier than your average Joe. <laughs> I mean, a little bit. 
Not to like lot. inflate the insecurity, but yeah, Tiana's like putting me down right now. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, you're hairy. Feel bad. I had my little mustache in like fifth grade. For real? Yeah. Damn. I have a lot of like chest hair and some back hair, and I've always been really insecure about it, particularly in middle school and stuff. Other kids would comment on it and make jokes about it uh, because it was like particularly abnormal at that age. As I've gotten older, I don't really get like directly taunted for it anymore. But because of all that in in middle school and stuff, I sort I, I really learned to be very ashamed of it. And for the longest time, I like really avoided going swimming or like anywhere where I had to have like a bare chest. Uh, sometimes in like high school, you'd play pickup sports and there'd be like shirts versus skins. And I was always really anxious that I might end up being on a skins team. Ooh, yeah, that'd be rough. It really affected my life a lot because I really did avoid all of those situations as much as possible. And like, I still like, I don't wear, I won't wear V-neck shirts. I'm very particular about my collar because I don't want my hair to show. Um, and I'm getting a lot better about it now. Just in the past few years, I've sort of got comfortable like going to the beach and going swimming and stuff. And really, none of my friends now have ever like have ever commented on it. It's never been a problem. Like I've never been in a relationship where it's been an issue for another for one of my partners. Um, but for some reason, I I think it just goes back to like being made fun of a lot when I was younger and just feeling different than everybody else at that age. That. It still yeah. feels wrong to this day and feels like gross and weird. And um, why would anyone like me? Sometimes I joke about how like I would probably look, quote unquote, more conventionally attractive in the 80s um, because of certain like trends. Like I have some bigger shoulders. So like in the 80s, it was more important to have like some shoulder pads for you. Like it's kind of one of those things where it's like, if only I'd been around in the 70s because i'm pretty <laughs> sure like in the 70s i'm pretty sure chest hair was in i guess the thing is like it is in for a lot of people and yeah. it's out for a lot of and like that's the reality of like anything it's like yeah whatever is is sort of popular and on trend is just what like a certain subsect of people have decided there's yeah. still all those other people who are attracted to all those other different things they're just not yeah. being portrayed in the popular media right right you kind of have to make it in maybe <laughs> yeah, like guess, you yeah. like you're gonna be the icon you're gonna be like chest hairs back in and everyone will have a revolution um i don't have that kind of confidence <laughs> to this day about it i mean um, yeah yeah i guess the the point is though farquad maximus farquad really is relatable in that way yeah he has a lot of chest hair yeah oh yeah he does have a lot of chest so there's there's another way I relate to him. But just just the idea that something physically about you can hold so much emotional weight in your life is something that's very relatable. Yeah. Luckily, like I didn't try to like commit genocide against an entire <laughs> group of people. The displacement of a fairy tale population. Yeah. I don't know if you call that genocide or or what. Xenocide, I'm not sure. Banishment. Because they're not really like a species necessarily. Anyways, it was bad. It was um, bad. Luck- luckily I didn't do that. Right. I just um sort of Became really shy and anxious about it, but relatable nonetheless. Very relatable. And even if 
you think you're getting better with it, it still kind of stays with you throughout life. Kind of, yeah, I feel that. Well, speaking of size, we've each written a poem in honor of Lord Farquaad's short stature. We've written short poems about him. Would you like to go first, or should I go first? I yeah, go. You should go first. Yeah, I want to. I want to hear yours. All right. Um, I was trying to write a haiku, but then it it's not a haiku. <laughs> um, it, it has too many syllables for a haiku, but I didn't want to give up any of the words, so it's just a short poem, I guess. <laughs> Whenever that happens to me, I'm like, this is a short contemplative poem. Yes, yes, that's what it is. All right, here we go. Run, run, run from the past if you can. I want no part in a fairy tale sham. All right, your turn. (laughs) Sham. All right. It does not matter if the body ceases in length after the boyhood of age 12. Instead, the chest hair grows. My hope. It's like my hope. Flowing, thick, and unafraid to peek out of the covers. The chest hair grows, the petunias, that I pluck off and smell delicately. The end. Very nice. So there's your chest hair poem. There you go. I I hope it changes your life. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So last last thing uh, that we're trying out new thing is we're going to rate our villain using a scale that i am about to invent right now okay tiana um how many big heads do you give lord farquaad is there a maximum five five is the maximum number of big heads i'll give him three why I think he has a lot of good things going for him. Like he's got some land and some people to oversee and he has his shit together, which I appreciate, but the displacement of fairy tale entities just kind of docks him. Mm. So you actually took away heads for his villainy. That you're right. I know. But but I still kept the majority because he's actually like, okay, I still think that he's actually a little more respectful than a lot of people would say because first he, he kept his agreement with Shrek, which that's, was pretty cool. He kept true. his word. Fair. So he's very professional in that regards. When he met Fiona, he still proposed to her. He still like asked her, will you marry me? When he saw her and Fiona said yes, because she was mad at Shrek. They still got married based on an agreement that they both agreed on. To him, it was an agreement of both parties. So he's more respectful than I thought he was going to be. He has his shit together, but he's still mean. He still sucks. (laughs) Yeah. How about you? Um, I, I actually, I'm also going to give him three big heads out of five. Okay. Because actually of what we don't know about him, which is how he went from an abandoned child in the woods to being the Lord of Duloc. Yeah. Um, we don't know what happened to him, but I think 
we have to respect that he went through something pretty difficult to get from there to where he is now. So I think that's a plus for him. I think he's not the best. He's not the best villain um, overall. Mm-hmm. He doesn't, you know, ultimately he doesn't really accomplish much. However, he does do some really evil stuff like torture and the gingerbread man sort of exile all the um, fairy tale creatures. Um, it's a villainous thing, but ultimately he's not accomplishing much of it himself. He's mostly just like having henchmen do it. So that that docked a couple stars. But uh, he's heads. a lord, right? Like he's a lord. And so when I was watching it, I was like, I don't know if lords should be fighting. Right. Like it's kind of like the manager kind of thing. Like the manager should not be in the heat of battle. That's that's fair. Yeah. They should be giving orders and kind of leading. But then you could argue, well, he should be leading with example and go get Fiona and fight for her. Whatever. I am not an expert on the cultural. Yeah, he, he did get to the position he's in now. And yeah, being in that position should include some delegation skills. So how about hey, yeah. three big heads and one unshaven chin okay i like that Ooh, i like the unshaven chin i like that (laughs) that five o'clock shadow Ooh, yeah anyways that is it for our episode today thank you all for listening you can find us on instagram twitter facebook at gmail all of those are at next door villain i think we're on tiktok as well TikTok is Next Door Villain Podcast. Yep. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Thanks for listening. (laughs) Go embrace your body here. Thanks again for listening to Comedy by Indie Drop-In Network. If you would like to nominate a comedy podcast to be featured, just send me a tweet at Indie Drop-In. I'd also love to hear if one of our featured podcasts is now your favorite show. Indie Drop-In survives off ad revenue and listener donations. If you would like to contribute, please consider buying me a coffee. Just go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Indie Drop-In. If you look at the very bottom of the episode description, you will see a link. Indie Drop-In has many other shows that you also might like. Just go to IndieDropIn.com. All right, we'll see you next week.